It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on WBEN. Now, WBEN's David Bellavia. Welcome to Hardline. But before we get to all the world of politics and back and forth with Democrats and Republicans, let's focus on the weather situation that we have going on right here in western New York, greater metropolitan Buffalo area. Who better to speak to than our mayor, Mayor Byron Brown of the city of Buffalo? Sir, thank you for taking time. My pleasure, David. What would you like to put out right now? It seems that the 10 a.m., that was the beginning of the tractor, empty tractor trailer ban on major thoroughfares in the area. That's right, including the Skyway. Uh, At noon, there will be a uh, closure of the Skyway to all vehicles. Uh, So we want people to be mindful of that. Noon is when uh, the windstorm is expected to really hit hard uh at 10 a.m uh so right now we are closing lasalle park erie basin marina broderick park including the bird island pier uh for the safety of the public uh so those are things that we want people to be aware of and you're asking all residents all people in western new york uh but in the city of buffalo life uh, threatening emergencies, of course, we call 911, but for non-emergencies, fallen tree, debris, uh, we're, you're asking uh, residents of the city of Buffalo to call 311. That's right. Uh, 311 for all non-emergency calls related to the uh, storm, related to the weather. We have DPW crews, Department of Public Works crews uh, that will work to clear fallen trees, fallen tree limbs if they fall on your car, if they fall on a house, if they are blocking uh, a roadway, we will uh, clear those. Uh, We have traffic signal crews and Buffalo police are prepared uh, to address any traffic signal outages, any issues with traffic signals. All of those things should be called into 311. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Mayor, if there's anything else you'd like to add, and throughout the day, uh, you are more than welcome to come on at any time. And if you've got to put something out for the uh, benefit of the city, you're, you're more than welcome to come here and do it. Just, uh, David, thank you so much. And just one quick final thing. Any power lines down or power outages, people can call National Grid at 1-800-465-1212. Nat, that's the number for National Grid. So once again, the mayor of Buffalo, all life-threatening emergencies, we, are, we all know to call 911. But for non-emergencies, fallen tree, uh, debris, anything that you consider to be non-life-threatening, uh, the mayor's asking you to call 311. And then we just heard the number for National Grid, uh, 1-800-465-1212. And that's for power outages. And you guys, uh, everyone in the city's ready. If there's any announcement for school closures, anything else, that's it's probably going to happen later in the day, and you'll be ready to make that announcement when, when that decision is to be made, if it is. That, that's true. Any announcements like that will happen later in the day, and we'll certainly make sure that your listeners are informed, David. Thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. Take care and have a safe day. Thank you very much. All right. That is the mayor of the city of Buffalo, Mayor Byron Brown. Again, all life-threatening emergencies, call 911. Non-emergencies, fallen tree, debris, 311, and the National Grid hotline, 1-800-465-1212 for power outages. But we have a political show to do. Enough of the uh, make sure everyone's safe. 
Let's get back to why we're here. Dr. Jacob Nyhai is from the University of Buffalo. He's an associate professor. He's a PhD. You will address him as doctor. And uh, My students don't. <laughs> well, he is from the uh, School of uh, Political Science. We have two numbers here, 803-0930. If you are right of center, Republican. If you're a lefty uh, Democrat, you can call 644-9875. Those are the two numbers to call. Republicans, 803-0930. Democrats, 644-9875. And joining us in studio is a gentleman by the name of Chris Grant. Chris Grant has uh, been behind many of some of your favorite recent elections. Uh, many argue the go-to political, I don't want to call him an operative, consultant, but we're going to talk about political operatives. We're going to talk about what an operative does, what the responsibilities of a campaign manager are, uh, how you get into the business, and also we wouldn't be hardline unless we heard you know, some ridiculous stories of the worst people without naming names. <laughs> but we want let's focus outside of Western New York just so that Chris can still go home at night. And have a job. Uh, and have, yeah, have some sort of relationship. Chris Grant, thank you for joining us. David, pleasure to be here. Yeah, politics is a politics is a unique and rewarding place to work at. And sometimes our stories are better than anybody else's. So bring yeah, bring all that mic all the way up to so we can hear everything. So politics, right? You started in this industry, uh, why and when? I started when I was 21 years old and it's because it was, you know, one of the first paying jobs that I was offered. So let's be honest, why anybody starts a job. But I'd always had a life lifelong love of politics and public affairs. And so had a chance to start at the Erie County Legislature back when I was 21. Uh, finished my last semester at Canisius and worked there full time and then was off to the races since. You know, I've, I've worked with you. I've worked against you. One of the things I love about Chris Grant is that there's a moment where Chris Grant is on cruise control. The car is just going down the throughway at 60 miles an hour, no problem, maybe one hand on the wheel. And then in every single race, there becomes a moment where he's like, oh, this just got serious. Not a problem. Let's, you know, click it into overdrive. One of the things that we hear all the time is we hate robocalls. People hate robocalls. They want legislation against robocalls. Uh, stop bothering me at home. Nobody is paying attention to robocalls, yet everyone seems to use robocalls. Why would a guy like you who's been around the block, you have national races, you have local races, you are a professional consultant to races that are in the Senate, uh, local and state, but also federal, U.S. Senate, House of Representatives, all over the country. If robocalls don't work, if mail doesn't work, why are we constantly doing it? Yeah, the dirty little secret is they all work. Um, one of the things you'll see in, and I'm sure the professor will come at this from a, from a much more well-informed and um, data-driven view, but one of the things we see in politics is people always complain about negative advertising and negative mail and negative TV, and the dirty little secret is it works because you're far more likely to remember the tough thing somebody said about your opponent than the pretty thing they said about you as a candidate. So one of the tough conversations we always have to have with, with clients is at the end of the day, you have to draw those contrasts. And you have to draw them in a way that people remember, look, folks are getting inundated at every level with information. It's not like it was 15 years ago where you only had a handful of mediums. You have it everywhere now. It's digital, digital's overwhelming, traditional media is overwhelming, and you have to cut through that clutter to get them to remember stuff. And frankly, it's one of the reasons why the president, whether you like his politics or not, was effective as a marketer and a campaigner is because he tagged people in a way that made them remember it. And he was a ubiquitous president. He very smartly used the tools at his disposal to do that. And look, people people remember the campaigns that were run. So you can sit there 
and sell cookies and try and get people to like you that way. Or you can run a tough, bare-knuckle campaign and be victorious. I'm going to ask Chris Grant to, to – that's the last use of a three-syllable word on, <laughs> on Hardline. We will not take any more of that. Uh, Dr. Jacob Nyheisel is also here. Here's my first question. I'll, I'll turn it over to uh, Dr. Nyheisel. But when you have – there's no science. It's not like there's a playbook where you go, okay, let's hit him here. Let's go negative early. Let's do what? But if you have a candidate that has negatives themselves, are you more apt to become aggressive at the beginning of a campaign because you're trying to offset the you know vulnerabilities of your candidate? Or are you just every race is different, but there's always in the Chris Grant quiver, if you want to get nasty, you're going to get, you're going to get nasty. You know, you have to draw. People say nasty. I say draw contrast. So, you know, that's the business I'm in. Look, you got to. There's three phases to a campaign. You got to. You got to establish yourself, especially when you're running against an incumbent. First thing you got to do is you got to tell people who you are, and you got to tell people what, what your story is and why you're the better choice. So, you got to establish some credibility. If you attack somebody and nobody knows who you are, they're going to ignore you because they're going to go with the devil they know versus the devil they don't. The second phase of those campaigns is you do have to draw the contrast. You got to tell people why the other guy isn't good, either on policy or on fiscal issues or whatever the myriad of ways is that you can do that. And then the third way is you got to go re, you got to go end with a message on hey look, we've established why I'm credible, we've established why the other guy isn't good. Now come back and I'm going to tell you why you need to vote for me in a closing message. Not every campaign is run that way, but most campaigns have that overall progression to what they do and those campaigns that are run that way win. There's a lot of campaigns who will sit there and say, "Well, I don't want to say anything too tough or controversial." And those folks end up end up doing a lot of um, they do a lot of things behind the scenes but they never actually end up in office because they've got you got to run a tough campaign so when when you're watching as a spectator in a race that you're not involved in and you see negative 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 all the way through that tells you right off the bat this guy's in trouble this this candidate is just throwing punches because they really have no message or they look at if you go back to 2014 you look at senator mcconnell had a really one hell of a difficult race all the public polling showed him sub 50. He had attracted this incredible, what the Democrats thought was this incredible um, talent, Allison Grimes London, against him. And the McConnell campaign from the gate just ran a very aggressive campaign where they defined their opponent before they could, before she could define her. And in the end, he won. And everybody cried and whined and everybody said these things that were, you know, oh, he was too tough. But six years later, five years later, he's the majority leader of the, state of the U.S. Senate, and she's in she's in a fight for her political life, you know, at some lower ballot level in Kentucky. And so that's an example of why you got to run these races, you know, effectively and aggressively. Yeah, uh, really hard to hear all these things. Uh, these are things that I tell my students all the time, <laughs> and the science uh, definitely supports your view, right? Define your opponent early on. I, I just did a lecture where I talked about negative advertising as uh, informational multivitamins, right? <laughs> because there are so many options out there for how we get our news, how we get our entertainment. You need some kind of incidental contact, and that incidental contact comes in the form many times of paid advertising. Uh, if I had a question, though, I've I been thinking about this for a while. The, the salient examples we have of political consultants, political operatives, happen to be folks like, you know, Roger Stone, happen to be folks like, you know, David Axelrod. Uh, if there's any major misconceptions about your business that you want to sort of dispel right now and get people to, to, to think in a different e- direction. Even the Hollywood version. Oh, absolutely. The, the wag the dog or yeah, right. those kinds of, of representations. Uh, what, uh, what's the biggest misrepresentation of your business? The biggest misrepresentation of our business, I think, is that we're heartless. I think it's this idea that it's that we're heartless and we don't believe in ideas, actually. Those two would be the first two. One, 
we probably we believe in ideas believe in ideas in as much or more so than most folks that's why we've dedicated our lives to do this i mean look one of the reasons why i'm in the field of politics is because i think it's the only true way to advance any kind of real policy change at the and look i'm a i'm a bar admitted lawyer i was a practicing lawyer and i think it's an honorable profession but politics gave me the ability to move things quicker so whether it was at the county executive level or whether it was in congress or the u.s senate that's where you can make the most amount of change and you can make the most quickly so for me it's quite inspiring the second piece is that we're heartless that we run around and we you know we eat little kids for breakfast and then we eat more little kids for lunch and then we do all these things the reality is we are this is the this is the way politics is done and you have to advance ideas and it's no different than when thomas paine you know in the founding fathers if you go back and look at their fights 200 and some odd years ago they were far more aggressive than ours and if you look at the fights during the civil war politics politics ain't beanbag as somebody once said it takes it you got to be willing to fight but the reason the fight is so important is because we're fighting for the future of things we're fighting about things that fundamentally affect the day-to-day lives of 300 plus million people and to me that's a fight worth having there hasn't been a caning in a while on the floor not a caning in a while i need to take both of you with me when i give talks out in the community because i have people come up to me and say oh this is the most polarized we've ever been this is the worst environment you know can you believe this i'm like no, it's not. I mean, there's no golden era of campaign discourse at all. But the other thing, too, I think that is a that I find with just watching what you do for a living is that you don't say no to candidates, that you're just, you know, there's whatever it takes. If there's an R by the name, you're going to jump on it. You wouldn't work with a Democrat. You would never say no to any Republican. And that's just not the case. You, If there was someone that you believed that wasn't a Republican, would you consider taking them on as a client? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be now. Generally speaking, the folks for the reasons I laid forth earlier, the folks that are agree with me are the folks I want to work with. But there are guys that there are guys that you know I think do a good job. The mayor who called at the beginning of the show had the opportunity to work with him a little bit years ago. I thought the mayor's done a great job with the city of Buffalo, and frankly, in a lot of ways, has governed a little bit like a Republican. He held the line on taxes for a while. He um, he kept spending down. He did a lot of really good things, frankly, things I wish other folks in his party would pay attention to. And I think it's one of the reasons why Buffalo's in the position it's in, because he's been very fiscally responsible about his government. So, look, we do we work for Republicans? Absolutely. And we're proud of it. But we'll we'll work for people at the end of the day who are advancing the ideas we agree in, regardless of the label next to their name. So it is about being a believer. In, in a way, you're a bigger believer than the, you know, there's Pollyanna candidates who think, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. But in reality, the real believers are the folks that are the machines behind these candidates. Because a lot of times, it's guys like you that are in the fight. I mean, you've had candidates quit on you. Not, you know, literally get off the ballot, but, you know, four days before an election, they're in a room locked up uh, in the C position. I had a I had somebody once um, on a campaign. This is a great story. It's 10, 15 years ago. Nobody nobody around here. Nobody involved. In These are not Western New York. These are not Western New York folks. This is a long time ago. Who on primary day told me they couldn't come to the office because they needed a mental health day, and I was just like, yeah, I was like, I'll take the day tomorrow. So um, you know, <laughs> plenty of time. Yeah, exactly. It'll be plenty of time tomorrow. Um, but at the end of the day, look, you know, we we are the we are the believers in this, and we believe in the policies that we're talking about. And that's why we're working so hard about it. Look, my whole household, is, my wife does, you know, she does it a lot better and a lot higher level, but we, this is what we do because we believe so fervently in it. And we want candidates. We, and a lot of times we'll see things in candidates that they may not see in themselves. And once they get there, they're like, holy cow, 
you know, we can really make some change. And that's the cool part about what we And do. your wife has been on every major cable news, one of the most effective communicators in the Republican Party, worked for the National Party, uh, represented, uh, you know, really tough. I mean, we, there's a d- huge difference between going on Fox News and going to the peanut gallery and going into MSNBC where everyone is, you know, there with a harpoon. You know, you're one against five. It's you, should try, uh, you should try arguing with her at home. You see how good of a is. Yeah, there we go. Who's taking off the guard? Hey, we're going to go to a break. We come back. We'll have more of Chris Grant. Your Republican lines at 803-0930. Your Democratic lines at 644-9875. We'll also continue to remind you that we are in, uh, if you have any emergency, life-threatening emergency in the city of Buffalo, 911 is what you call. Non-emergencies, fallen trees, debris, 311, and the national grid number is 1-800-867-5222. If you have any issues whatsoever with National Grid, Dr. Jacob Nyheisel is here. It's Hardline. We'll be back after this quick break. Hey, welcome back. It's Hardline. We've got uh, Chris Grant in studio. We're talking about political operatives. The number to call in if you're a Republican is 803-0930. The number to call in if you're a Democrat, 644-9875. Dr. Jacob Nyheisel from the University of Buffalo. Uh, I want to just, if we could real quickly get into Nate McMurray. Yeah. This race with Collins and McMurray. You were on Team Collins. That's no shock to anyone in in since Breaking 19, news. Yeah, since 2002. That's what you... <laughs> but, but here's the deal. A lot of people made allegations that you took videos that Nate McMurray made when he was working at Samsung. <laughs> and you took those videos and actually added Kim Jong-un, added different features to the videos to make it look more... Like Nate McMurray somehow was involved with North Korea or supported North Korea. What is your response to that? Yeah. So the great Nate McMurray was the gift that kept on giving in that race. I mean, you know, you think about the fact that at the end of the day, Nate McMurray botched a race that was handed to him on a silver platter. He'd raised gobs of money. And part of it was because he was such an odd duck. He was. And so this video when we did our job, which was we, you know, learn about our opponents. And so that he posts this video online, two, it was about two minutes and 30 seconds, however it was. And all of that, he just left on his Facebook page. And so note to candidates, if you're thinking about running for office, be careful about what you put on social media, because that all ends up into the public, the public domain. So Nate had left this on, on his Facebook page for quite some time, actually had promoted it. I think he put some money behind it. I don't know that to be sure, but it looked like from our perspective, it looked like he had, who knows. And so he had this video, and so we downloaded it. And look, this is a district that, at the end of the day, Jack Davis was ahead of his time on. You know, had was against against free trade. Had had been devastated by a lot of the trade practices. And so we believe that was a powerful thing to show a guy, you know, in there. But talking. for the record, you did not touch it. One, we didn't touch anything. We literally put it on. We just clipped thirty seconds of it and put it on TV. Our only problem was we didn't want to run two minute ads. Was the was the ad successful? Oh, the ad was incredibly successful. When we started that, we were down. We were down double digits when we started that ad. By the time that ad had finished its first flight of TV, we were up by one or two points. Wow. Well, we're gonna get back with more Chris Grant and talk Republican operatives. But first, a break. It's hard line. Here's Alan Harris with news. Welcome back. It's Hardline. We've got Chris Grant in studio. We're going to have a Democratic uh, operative in studio. I should say consultant. Operative is such a dirty word. Yeah, it is. 
Um, it is a dirty word. He's not a mercenary. Right. As, as we've described off air. As he wipes the blood off his hands <laughs> like Pilate. No, Chris Grant's in studio. we got Dr. Jacob Nyheisel. It's Hardline. 803-0930 is the Republican line. 644-9875 is the Democratic line. And uh, Dr. Jacob Nyheisel, you had a question. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about money in politics these days. And we're talking about the McMurray race. And one of the dynamics I thought was really interesting there was that uh, so much of the money, well, we couldn't really tell because of how Act Blue works, but a lot of the money looked like it was coming in from outside of the district, right? You know, there's this sort of uh, undercurrent going on in American politics where if you live in a non-competitive district, you're now throwing money toward people that look like they might possibly win. And how we normally think about money in politics is that it, it's it's an indicator for enthusiasm that you're going to have. And so is that something that really that you think maybe tripped up McMurray here where it looks like you have enthusiasm, but it's people who can't vote for you? Um, I... I think the money piece, so let me just step back and kind of set a little bit of context. The Democrats have done a number of things very well. One of them is tap into their low dollar fundraising base and nationalize it in a way that it it equalizes across all of their candidacies. And so McMurray was a direct beneficiary of that. Collins had a very high profile as the first member of Congress to endorse Donald Trump. Obviously, he had his situation with with this summer, which, you know, compromised the candidacy and made McMurray like all of a sudden a national darling. What McMurray wasn't in position to do is spend that. And so that's what guys like I, that's what guys like me and what our shop is actually hired to do is help, help folks learn how to spend their resources. He had more money than Collins at one point in this race. He had raised more money than Collins at this point in this race. But one of the biggest kind of metrics about why Nate lost is at the end of the day, he had about $200,000 left in his candidacy. Chris Collins spent every dime that we budgeted for. And so Nate should have spent all of that. And he wasn't prepared to spend that money. So he didn't, I think you're right. I think he I think he mistook national enthusiasm for voter enthusiasm. And that's a, that's a mistake a lot of candidacies, especially an amateur one like Nate McMurray make. But the other piece of that is he wasn't ready to spend the money. He didn't listen to professionals around him. Buffalo News ran a story not a week after the campaign where basically they highlighted all the things we had assumed were, were true. He wasn't running a professional campaign. He basically only ran two ads. We ran seven different spots, plus plus digital, plus media underneath, under the radar, that the broadcast media didn't see, but that voters got. And Nate McMurray didn't do any of that. And so it was really a sign that he just wasn't prepared to handle the money that came into him. So if I was a Democratic operator, the first thing I'd be telling anybody in this is, hey, look, you need to be prepared for success here because he wasn't. It cost him the race. At the end of the day, look, it was, what, 1,600 votes that cost him the difference? But, I mean, that I, I think to be fair to Nate McMurray, though, there was a bit of schizophrenia going on in the party apparatus sure. as well. I mean, what is Nate McMurray? Was he a Republican? Was he a Democrat? Was he a moderate? Look, this party is moving left. And a guy like Nate McMurray that's trying to, to be in the middle, is there a home for a guy like him? But Chris Grant joins us in studio. One of the things I want to ask you is, you know, other candidates, transparency is always the greatest thing, especially if you know that there's something out there, right? The questions you have to ask new candidates today in 2019 are probably questions you never in a million years would have thought you ever had to ask. When you started this, when you were 21 years old, you never asked anyone if they'd ever taken pictures of their body That's, and sent it to people. I still don't like asking people that question. But it's you have to. Awkward. But you really you have gotta to. Ask, there's a, we have a whole list of questions. We actually keep a document in our office on our um, on our hard drive of the things we need to ask prospective clients because they, it inevitably comes out. But, mean, now, but now you have the thing of keeping that secure. 
Sure, we've got. So we actually, you know, we'll, you know, one of the things I say when we pitch a client is, look, I'm the best friend you never wanted. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, you've never met me, but we're going to be best friends by the end of this because I'm going to know all your secrets and I'm going to be the one guy that can help you protect them. And honestly, you know, candidates need to tell us because one of the things we tell candidates, we ran into this last year. You need to tell your team what's coming down the pike because they need to be ready to deal with it. The worst thing you can do is be playing catch up. And so the most effective part of crisis comms for any of this is getting your story out there, making sure it's truthful, and then advancing your message so that you can either one of two things, muddy the charge or two, flip it and show that it's wrong. If you don't tell your team what's going on, they aren't, they aren't able to suit you. And I've never understood candidacies who think they're going to keep it quiet because at the end of the day, you're simply wasting your money paying the people that are there to help you without giving them the information they need to do their job. Well, because they're not professional candidates. They're not professional when, candidates, but it's kind of basic, right? Well, you would think that, but if you weren't Especially part, after we tell them 15 times. But if you weren't a part of a system and all of a sudden you're thinking, I brought in the best I could afford. You bring in a guy. What happens to those guys? They're not people like you that no, are in the true. industry. Look, the, so if I give all of my secrets over to you know a guy that uh, some UB professor, and why would up, you do that? <laughs> they can, they can so burn look, you it's, with them. It, it's part of part of the conversation we have with candidates. Is look when you throw your in this environment, everything you've ever done is public game. Whether you think it's fair or not, whether you think the divorce is sealed or not, where you think the conversation you had with your kids is protected. At the end of the day. It is a bare knuckle business and people will get it ultimately, especially in the high profile races. You need to trust the folks around you to help it. And David, you're right. It is a very difficult transition for people to make because as ordinary citizens, we're used to a veneer of privacy around our life. And you don't have it in the public world. You simply don't. And ask any Democrat, Republican. I mean, look, the mayor's gone through this. The county executive's gone through this. The congressman has gone through this. The lieutenant governor's gone through this. It just is part of being an elected official. There's another comment about veneers coming from the Collins <laughs> camp. Hey, let, let's go to the phones on the Republican line. Is John in Rochester, 803-0930. If you're a Republican, 644-9875. If you're a Democrat, John in Rochester, you're on with Chris Grant, Dr. Jacob Nyheisel. Go ahead. Listen, I, I wanted to ask you, number one, uh, it's got to be tough being a uh, consultant for a Republican or conservative overall when you have the media, especially the national media. As an example, uh, the Buffalo News, I think they have some pretty fair local reporters, except for this Jerry Zremski, who I think is pretty biased, but uh, they're... Their national uh, correspondents are the Washington Post and the New York Times. And the second part of my question is Kellyanne Conway. To me, she was the reason Trump won the election. She turned that election around. What are your thoughts there? So uh, I'll, take you, the, I'll take the first one first. Look, I think there's no question Demo Republicans – this is one of the reasons why I think Republican operatives at the end of the day are better than Democrats is because we always have to fight the media uphill and the Democrats have it handed to them. And so if you put the Democrats in any situation where they have to deal with tough stuff, they kind of they melt they melt down just because Republicans, it's baked into the cake for us that we have to deal with a press that is generally more critical of us and they treat Republicans differently. And we've seen that on, on every piece in just the last two weeks. I will say this. Reporters like Jerry Zremsky and the Buffalo News reporters, they, they do their job and they do the best job they can fairly. So there is a very real disconnect between or a difference in standard between those guys who I think are fair. I've had my disagreements with Jerry, but he is a fair reporter, always gives somebody the opportunity to get their point across. And that's all you can ask for in a reporter But versus some of the other national outlets that are really looking to push an agenda. On the second piece... Kellyanne Conway is a great spokesperson for the president. President Trump is president because of one person, President Trump. I just want to jump in real quick. And 
talk about the the media. Yeah, I think it's probably right that you probably have a, a little bit more difficult time getting a fair hearing in some of these outlets. However, that's also part of your strategy, right? I, I don't in that you can now go to your supporters, you can go to your your faithful and say, look, look how they're beating us up. And that creates a, 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 a following of its own, does it not? Yeah, I mean, make make no mistake about it. We didn't, I don't think Republicans, you know, 50 years ago decided, oh, hey, 50 years from now, we're going to make this a, an end around strategy because the press is attacking us. We've had to adapt to that strategy because the press has been so aggressive. But I, I mean, you look at just the treatment of any president or any Republican presidential candidate or any major or any cultural issue. If you look at the, the, the Smollett situation versus the Covington situation, it's mm. a perfect example of the disparity between the two. If you look at what's going on with Ralph, Ralph Northam versus what went on with Steve King, I mean, it is striking how, about the how state, amazingly different it is. The Secretary of State of Florida. I mean, you don't even have to go to a named Ex- Republican. Exactly. I'm just story. giving you two. So, so let's go local for a second, right? I believe that you've got an Erie County executive in Mark Polnikars who really believes that he's, I mean, he's claiming that he can run the country better than Trump. He offered to debate Chris Collins in a race that he wasn't running against Chris Collins. This guy has national ambitions. He is going to run for Congress in the very near future. And I don't know who amongst us does not want to see a Chris. Con- I mean, that's like you know, it's like a Hagler. I'll bring the popcorn. Yeah, like Hagler Leonard. You know, we'd want to see a second fight. You know, if uh, was that too much of a reference to the '90s for you? I was going to go Thunderdome <laughs> with that. But- it's one of the two classic heavyweights in politics. Everyone would want to see a slugfest. The district is different. He doesn't have the advantage in Erie County that he would have in a county executive race. But when you look at a guy who's like, how do you avoid the temptation? That was a very ugly fight. Collins lost that fight. There's a lot of bad blood there. I had Collins here a week ago. and I bring up polling cars and he's like, boom, like just absolutely locking on. I'd love to talk about, but he took my economy. He took my credit. There is a lot of bad blood there. Polling cars doesn't like Collins. Collins doesn't like polling cars. How do you avoid your candidate? from just going after the personal, uh, you know, why not? It could have actually done benefit for Collins to get out there and start talking about these issues, and it can't hurt him. Uh, I don't know about I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, one, you don't shoot down. I mean, Poland Cars is the county executive. Chris is a, you know, a national leader on, on the stage. First, he was a member of the transition team. He just... You don't shoot down to, to Mark Polencarz and think it's just not worth the time or the, the energy. And frankly, Mark Polencarz spends a whole lot more time thinking about Chris Collins and Chris Collins spends about thinking about Mark Polencarz. I think the second piece of that is, look, Mark Polencarz is the biggest wannabe politician there is around here. And he wants to desperately be something beyond. I mean, the fact that Erie County is talking about the Paris Climate Exchange, in addition to being hysterical, is preposterous. It simply doesn't affect it. But Mark loves to Mark loves to tweet about it. Mark loves to talk about it. I think this is where Mark and look, make no mistake about it. I have the ultimate respect for Mark and his team about the politics they ran. They beat us. They deserve that win. They they've run a they have run a very top of kind of surfacey county executive administration that you think is not vulnerable and he deserves some credit for that. Politically, they have they have won the races they need to win and, and guys in my position, you got to respect, you can't underestimate your opponents. You got to respect the game a little bit. That being said, I think he's inherently vulnerable. 
Taxes are higher under him. Spending is out of control. And this jobs farce that he's pushing, if you simply look at Ingersoll Rand and you look at New Era and you look at the Amazon at the Amazon debacle, all of these are advanced because of policies that he puts through and how hostile they are to local businesses. If you talk to local businesses in this town, they will tell you their number one impediment to to growing is Mark Polencar's in the Erie County government. And this idea that Mark is somehow responsible for thirty thousand for 30,000 new jobs is about as hysterical as if Mark put on Superman cape and decided he was going to tell us he could fly. They're, they have the same level of truth in both of them. In a related story, we have a warning for a plastic bag vortex that is going to be hitting the Erie County area. Wind warning going on right now. Emergency numbers in the city of Buffalo. 911 for life-threatening emergencies. Non-emergencies, fallen trees, debris. You're asked to call 311. And the National Grid hotline is 1-800-867-5222. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. More of Chris Grant. 803-0930 Republican line, 644-9875 Democratic line. Not a lot of Democrats calling in to talk to Chris Grant. Maybe uh, polling cars will call in. It's hard line. We'll be back after this. Hey, Welcome back. It's hard line. We've got uh, Chris Grant here. We're going to wrap this thing up. Dr. Jacob Nyheisel. Uh, we will allow you to uh, throw your last salvo at Mr. Chris Gray. Oh, my goodness. I, I have the, the last uh, salvo here. Yeah, I'm holding him down. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm always thinking strategy. I'm always thinking long term. What is the, the way back in for, for Erie County Republicans, right? Right now, it, it looks like they're, they're on the outs looking in for a little bit here. What's, um, we talked we, a little bit about this before. He only has three but, minutes. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that we're on the outs. I mean, three countywide wins. You know, three, we own three of the countywide elected, elected seats, so I don't know that we're that far out. I think when it comes to county executive, look, a lot of it's what I said earlier. I think Mark Polencar's under the surface is vulnerable. He's got a record that is, includes higher taxes and more spending, and that's what voters – in this town care about. And I think, like I said earlier, I think his jobs argument is a farce. And I think voters see right through it. You can't take credit. You can't hammer somebody for losing jobs in a national economic downturn. And you can't very well take credit for gaining jobs in an economic upturn. And I think voters, one thing about Mark Polencar is he talks down to voters a lot. And I think voters are going to see right through that. Well, he's better than we are. That's what he said. He'll tell you that. Yeah. So I want to just talk real quick, Erie County executive race. Uh, Chris Jacobs, well, it was Stephon Mihailu's race to lose. He was the guy. He declared for it. He raised money for it. Things change with the Collins situation, uh, and it looks like Mihailu is looking at other options right now. He, he appears to be going around the district, uh, and that's his choice to make. I, but as far as Chris Jacobs, it, the betting man would put money on Lynn Dixon right now. Look, I think if Lynn decides to run, she is going to be a heck of a candidate. I think, frankly, she presents a lot of difficult contrasts for the county executive if she chooses to run. That'll be up to her. She's got four kids, um, so she's got a lot of personal decisions to make. But if I were Mark Polencars, that's not a race I would want. I mean, he's she's got tough. A, she's a tough. She's very tough. Look, she's won a district that is almost twice as Democrat as as the as Erie County is as a whole. But she'll swing too. She not only will she swing, but she's a lot. She's very tough. She's very smart. She's kind. And I think I think it'd be a heck of a race if she decides to go. So for Mark Polencars' sake, I you know. I would think he's hoping she doesn't, but we'll see well, what happens. Well, let's, let's downplay the kind and the nice and get to the <laughs> swing and the tough. Uh, Chris Grant, uh, real quick, where, what do you see happening in uh, 2020? Who's the Democratic uh, Man, horse? I got to tell you, I just Kamala Harris keep, is the one that, as a Republican operative, keeps me up at night. I mean, she is the one closest to putting together Barack Obama's coalition. She's tough on crime. From her, I, if, she keep, if she strews close to what she did as a 
prosecutor in San Francisco, she's going to be tough to beat. Wow. That's Chris Grant. We're going to come back with a Democratic uh, consultative, uh, get the Democratic operative point of view. Uh, but we'll be back. Here is uh, News with Alan Harris. It's Hardline.